0: What is the setup here? I mean, who's your boss? God. What? My boss is God. I'm an angel. I'm one of the best, but I try. And I make mistakes. Guess he figures the only way I'm gonna learn is by mistakes. I'm kinda new at this. Hello. Welcome to Highway to Heaven Revisited. Hosted by Rachel Mayer and Joel Luders. With moderator.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to your favorite new podcast in the TV category in the binge-watching podcast genre. This one is called Highway to Heaven Revisited, where uh, your hosts Rachel Mayer and Joel Luder's take you and I every step of the way through every single episode of the classic 1980s drama series starring Michael Landon called Highway to Heaven. This is a show I do not watch. Joel and Rachel come over and tell me all about what happens on it, and I'm having a lot of fun so far, and I hope you are too. I think this is episode 10 of the podcast. I've been talking far long enough. Please welcome to the show the aforementioned hosts. First of all, Rachel Mayer. Hi, Sam. Hello. How are you today, Rachel?
2: I'm doing good today. How are you doing?
1: I'm doing real good. I'm a little jacked on iced coffee right now.
2: Yeah, I just had some caffeine too, so I think we're kind of in the same state.
1: I'm a little shaky, but I'm going to drink some ice water and uh, have a good time on the podcast with you guys today
2: sounds like a plan
1: also please welcome to your podcast ear holes uh, i like that the uh, the newly mustachioed Joel Luters.
3: Hi, Sam. Hi, folks.
2: Yeah, Joel's got a pretty nice mustache going on this week.
3: Joel, you're always rocking some very creative facial hair. Hey, you know, it was a gift I was born with. It's this Play-Doh factory mm-hmm. of thick black facial hair. I mean, you can like
1: literally change it up drastically in the course of six or seven calendar days.
2: Yeah.
3: <laughs> it is an ability, yes. When I was in the army, I would have to shave twice a day to fulfill my uniform standard. Standard. What would they that do what would they bananas. do if you weren't clean shaven? Uh, if I wasn't clean shaven, well first I would probably be made to do some push-ups. Okay. <laughs> And then I would often get sent from the formation back to the barracks to get ready and dressed while everyone else stood and waited. All right, while Looters is going to shave, because <laughs> it's two in the afternoon, and apparently he didn't shave today, and we missed that at morning inspection, all the rest of you, all 50 of you, turn halfway to the right and get into the front-leaning rest position, which is the push-up position. Uh-oh. Oh, gosh. Uh And I would have to run inside while 50 other <laughs> people would be standing. (laughs) doing push-ups while I had to go and shave for the second time.
2: Wow, I can't believe I've never asked that question before. Wow.
3: How many push-ups would you say that other people
1: had to do because of the immense amount of testosterone coursing through your bloodstream, Joel?
3: Now, I'm going to guess they probably ended up doing roughly about 30, because when you have a group of people in a formation like Uh that, they usually just have them go from the plank position, Mm -hmm. and they would have them all go down, and then they would have them wait in that position for a little while, then they would have them go back up for a little while. So maybe they did probably 20 push-ups over a course of maybe like five minutes while I hurriedly shaved shaved my face again.
1: Well, that's just one time that they had to wait for you to shave. Cumulatively, how many push-ups do you think people have had to
3: do on your behalf
1: because of your mutant abilities?
3: Well, I learned pretty quickly after the first time that I would uh, try to make time to go and shave and to bring a razor with me in my pocket. 20 push-ups times 50 people, you know, that's about what? Uh,
1: That's pretty much a thousand push-ups. Yeah, it's like a zillion, actually. All right.
2: It's a lot of push-ups.
1: Which branch of the armed forces was was this Joel? So it was the army. Okay, so you're in the army, 50 dudes do 20 push ups a piece, and they're dudes. thinking about your face. Yeah. That's right. Dudes and ladies. Thank you. Army dudes and army ladies.
3: The official term is dudettes, or, or it
1: was back
3: in 2002. Yes.
1: Rachel's grimacing. It's certainly not dudettes.
2: No, that was just my deciding if I was going to go on a tangent about the word dudes, but I don't know. I mean, we're just starting the podcast.
1: Yeah, let's actually uh, get into this. All right. I have been told beforehand that we shall be discussing season one, episode 12 of Highway to Heaven. Please, one of you two, inform me, what is the title of this great episode?
2: I don't want to say it together.
1: I forgot that that was a thing. Yeah, neither I do I.
2: I don't want that to be a thing. So. I agree. All right, so... Here, how about we just take turns? Okay. I don't completely trust Joel. I'll say it this time, and You'll then next time. time you can say it. Okay, so I'll say it this All time, right, and I then you say it next time. but I want you, want you, you to stop time. looking at me.
3: <laughs> no, that's fine. I'll say it this time, and then you say it next time. I got it.
1: Season one, episode 12. What's the title, Rachel?
2: It's Hotel of Dreams.
1: Hotel of Dreams.
3: Yeah, what comes to mind, Sam?
1: Uh, Horror movies. Dilapidated Route 66 feelings, Mm -hmm. uh, run-down corners, moldy ceiling patches...
2: Well, you are actually pretty much completely off track with where you're going with this. We actually are going to start in a beautiful sunlit meadow, sort of in a valley.
1: Rolling hills of grass. rolling
2: hills, grass, lots of sunshine. And we see a pickup truck with a whole bunch of goats in the back. And we also see a young blonde, very handsome man.
3: Christ-like, I would say. Yeah, he's
2: uh, he's got a beautiful beard, full blonde beard, flowing blonde blonde hair yeah. he's wearing a flannel shirt mm-hmm. i would say he's one of the better looking actors we've seen so far on this yes. show
3: oh yeah i mean it was totally that just like that hunky jesus shoulder length kind of blonde hair flowing in the wind
2: yeah a little lumberjack
3: kind of lumberjack look. if he had to be
1: anybody's current day dad who's famous and handsome in the movies like whose dad is he shia labeouf Okay. I
2: don't, I, don't, I don't know if that's true. <laughs> well, wow.
3: Yeah. I'll go with that. <laughs> it was quick.
1: We'll take it. Thanks. So, Blonde Jesus is driving down the
3: road with the truck full of goats. Yeah, they park the goat in this palatial landscape. Also, his cool-looking Native American friend hops out. They open up the back end. And the goats start hopping out, but there seems to be one little baby goat in the corner.
2: We just start hearing, bah, baa. There's yeah. a little baby goat that won't get out of the truck, and he's being very noisy about it.
3: Oh, he's a stubborn little fella. Mm-hmm. And so the cool looking uh, guy grabs a maroon towel that was just happened to be hanging off the back end of the truck, pulls it off and wraps up the little baby goat and goes, where's your mom? And he's like, oh, we must have lost his mom along the way. What are we going to do with this little guy?
2: And then a helicopter lands in the meadow. <laughs>
1: <laughs> of course it does. Is it Charles Durning? Does Charles Derning come out
3: of the helicopter when it lands? Well, first, this cool helicopter lands. It's white with orange and gold lines all over it. It looks yeah. really cool executive helicopter. Guy in a black three-piece suit gets out. Okay, And just starts walking directly towards our cool Jesus guy. And the cool Jesus guy's like, oh, yeah, okay, I, yeah, I know this guy. And They go and they go to meet each other. The guy in the suit says, man, you got to come with me.
2: The man in the suit, whose name is Frank, tells We learned that Jesus's name is Barry. He tells Barry that his his old man wants to see him.
1: Barry's got a trust fund.
2: I did think when we got our first shot of Barry that he looked a little too good to really be a goat farmer.
3: He's got a shampoo budget. Yeah, he's got
2: designer flannels on.
3: Hobby farm kind of feel. The guy's like, "Ah, what are you doing with that goat? And he goes, I'm its adopted mom now. It's coming with me or else I'm not going. Fine, fine, fine. They hop back in the helicopter. Helicopter takes off and his, uh, his cool friend just watches as it takes off.
2: Barry says, see you later, Mossy. And we learn that his friend's name is Mossy, but we we're never going to see him again.
1: So, if we never see Mossy again, I guess there's no questions to be asked about whether or not the car keys are in Barry's pocket as he flies away. <laughs> oh. <laughs>
3: <laughs> oh, Hopefully goodness.
1: Not. They are. He was driving. <laughs> yeah, he probably just shut off the car, put the keys in his pocket, and he was like,
3: oh, see you later, Mossy. I got to go on this helicopter. This uh, Christlike Barry character, the actor's r- real name is Brian Kerwin. You might know him from Roseanne. He was on okay. a bunch of episodes where he played Gary, who dated uh, Roseanne's sister, who's that awesome actress. who's Jackie. Been- Jackie. Uh, portrayed by Lori Metcalf. Yeah. Who's amazing.
2: I remember this character. I did not put it together when we were watching it, but that's probably, what, 15? Yeah. At least 10 years at afterwards. Least. He's older in Roseanne.
3: We've spoken about how Michael Landon pulls from a cast of characters, and this one especially, he was in One Life to Live, and he was in 308 episodes of One Life to Live playing someone called Charles Banks.
1: So that guy's on the show.
2: Okay.
3: Does he get to his daddy's house?
1: Oh, I'm you, so glad there's another rich white daddy character on this show.
2: <laughs> yeah, I. so what I have in my notes is that the helicopter lands on a a fancy lawn in front of a fancy house, Mm -hmm. I literally wrote, we cut to an old white man drinking scotch.
1: So this guy prefers to be on the sauce rather than to pretend to be an old monarch from the medieval days, right? (laughs) He (laughs) is a little
2: wacky, but there's no costumes. He's just wearing the traditional business attire. Okay. And the
3: interior of this place, to paint the picture, it's kind of that all white with gold gilding everywhere. So gold frames around things, little gold statues, white and gold, like stained wood kind Mm -hmm. of everywhere sounds very opulent
2: another word for fancy
3: (laughs) jesus's father's name is clinton rudd who is played by the actor jacques abo can't do this last name it's abo chan the only reason i bring it up is he was also (laughs) in Gunsmoke, perry mason bewitched and this happens to be one of his very last performances
0: come in hi there Barry, 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 Barry! It's about time, son. How have you been? (laughs) Fine, Dad. It's good to see you. Boy, it's been a long time. Oh, much too long. We've got to change all that. I almost forgot. Luella, come on in and meet your stepson. You got married again? How many times is that now? Six, seven. Who keeps count? What's that? It's a goat. Cute, isn't he?
2: (laughs) Hi, Barry. Your father's told me
0: all about you. Oh, I'm sorry, but he hasn't told me anything about you. Oh. Well, that's okay, because it happened kind of sudden. You see, I was working at this sushi bar that your father bought, and... That's okay, Luella. No use going into details. Now, why don't you go in the other room and uh, pet the goat while Barry and I have a talk? All right. Oh, I just love animals.
3: How much younger than uh, Blonde Jesus is Luella? It might be a better question to ask how much older than Blonde Jesus is she. Oh, she's older than Blonde Jesus? Mm, two or three years. Okay. Okay. <laughs> might have been in high school together so the bombastic dad and the bombshell new wife are talking to the son and the dad's like you know it's time for you to you know make something of yourself And the son kind of feels this shame.
2: He shames himself. The
3: son shames himself. Whoa.
2: He's like, I know I
3: fail in everything that I set my mind to. I know that I'm not living up to your expectations for me.
2: I'm a big disappointment. I've never amounted to anything. I've never finished anything I've started. Yeah, I'm just kind of a loser. And the dad's like, no, I
3: didn't mean for that to happen. What I'm wanting you to do is I'm just wanting to give you this hotel to help give you a little start.
2: And Barry's like, oh, this is your first hotel. So we kind of learned that dad's a hotel tycoon. They allude to the fact that he has, I don't know, just a lot of different hotels. And this one that we're in is the first. It's the Mayflower. And now he's passing over the running to Barry. It's time for Barry to get a real job.
3: The son says, you know, this is a great opportunity, but dad, I don't know anything about running a hotel. He was like, don't worry about that. That's what I've got this other guy for. He'll teach you everything you need to know.
2: Yeah, we're going to now meet Seely, who is the general manager. Seely is going to show Barry <laughs> what to do to run the hotel.
3: Is everybody who works? at the hotel
1: named after mattress companies? <laughs> no. no. Hello, I'm the manager of the hotel. My name is Seely.
2: Yeah, and the next person we meet is Casper. Who else do we have?
1: Well, this is my wife, Posturepedic. <laughs> Over here, we have sleep number. He answers the
3: phones.
2: It's a wacky hotel.
3: Your bellboy's name is Waterbed. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Is this when we meet the bellboy?
3: It is. We fade out and we fade back in and Seeley and Christ's son are now walking together down the hotel hallway where they bump into Jonathan. Okay. Oh yeah,
2: here's Jonathan.
3: And They go, oh, this is one of our new bellboys. Fixed that uniform, you know, your shoes could use a little buffing. Oh, yeah. oh, so Jonathan shows up in costume.
2: Yeah, he's wearing a little bellboy uniform. This
1: is so exciting. He
2: doesn't have a hat, I don't think. Oh, right? Just like right. the kind of fancy little suit jacket.
1: But he doesn't have the flat top, sort of rounded flat top hat. No. Well, obviously, he wouldn't have one of those hats anyway, because that would interrupt the Michael Landon (laughs) hair flow game, which I'm sure is blasting at 11 as usual.
2: I mean, between the Michael Landon hair game and the Barry Blonde hair game, it's kind of a toss up on this episode. Okay, We've got some good hair.
1: Would you say at this point in the
3: episode, it's a draw?
2: Right now it is. Who's in the lead? Right now it is.
3: So yeah, we meet Jonathan, the new bellboy, and and, uh, Celie's just sort of talking about the hotel, and then all of a sudden he goes, oh yeah, and here's our new, uh, maybe you should introduce this part. This is part's it... kind of complex.
2: Okay, so now we're going to meet the assistant manager trainee who introduces himself as Robert. Celia's quick to correct that and say, no, his name is Roberto. Roberto.
3: This is a Roberto. You know like how they do on NPR when they put like way too much emphasis on the syllables of foreign countries? <laughs> mm-hmm. Sure.
2: Robert does appear to have some Latin heritage. <laughs> Clearly, that's what Seely's getting at in the name correction. And I think then Barry asks Robert how long he's been a trainee for Well what he says
3: is he goes, uh, he goes, Yes, I'm the assistant manager and he goes, Manager trainee. Sealy oh, corrects him. Yeah. You're the manager trainee. Oh, you're not officially the assistant manager yet. Barry's like, Oh, how long have you been a trainee? he's like, Five years. I have some cathartic feelings for Roberto
2: right now. Good, and we're getting the point across.
3: The great thing about Roberto, the management trainee, is uh, it's an actor named Anthony Pena, or as they say on NPR, Anthony Piana. Anthony Pena was a quantum leaper. Oh, oh yeah, we got another leapzers in the house. He played Officer Talbot in Season Four, Episode Eight, Dream. The episode is where Sam leaps into the body of Jack Stone, a police detective who stops a man from committing suicide. The man's wife has been murdered, so the assumption is that the husband is the killer. However, Sam has a problem. He keeps having flashbacks to the detective's childhood and the fact that Jack saw his own mother murdered. Sam assumes that part of the detective's memory has stayed with him, despite the leap.
2: Have you been practicing your dramatic voice, Joel?
3: It all takes a very different turn when Al tells him that he can change the future and that Jack will be killed in the next 48 hours. That episode
1: sounds both nitty and gritty. And to quote Sam Beckett in literally every episode of Quantum Leap, oh boy. (laughs) So Anthony is on the show. I hope he gets a promotion by the end of the episode. That would really make me feel good.
2: It's possible. It is Highway to Heaven.
3: Yeah, it probably won't happen, though. So then we meet the second new bellboy, Victor French.
0: Roberto, who is that man? He's one of the new bellmen I just hired, sir. Bellman, you talking to me? I certainly am. I am the manager of this hotel, and you should know that I have a definite disdain of facial hair of any kind. Oh, well, don't worry about that. A lot of people don't look good in a beard. I am not speaking of myself. I'm referring to my employees. And you will remove your beard if you wish to remain in the employee of this hotel. You mean Shave? Ah, uh, Mr. Seely, is that really necessary? That's a good-looking beard. I think you should keep it. Very well. Sir, I'm certain you know best. Carry on. Ah, thank you. <laughs> Wells, kid, don't just stand there. Catch him.
2: Mark is sort of wrestling a luggage cart, and he is, while they're having this conversation, sort of like dropping pieces of luggage onto the floor, knocking suitcases over. And just in case Mark isn't doing a good enough job of that, enter a little like white blonde child, maybe eight year old little boy, comes running through the lobby and knocks over the luggage cart. And I just wrote, The kid knocks over the luggage, and there are panties everywhere. (laughs) It's just (laughs) all over the lobby.
3: That's pretty funny.
2: Yeah, so then the next thing, we just have Mark chasing this kid.
3: They run around the corner outside the building, and we hear a splash. And Mark sees the big pool, oh and we gosh. start hearing, help me, help me, I'm drowning. The kid
1: is
2: drowning.
1: This kid is a butthead. He
2: a problem.
1: Okay, so this kid is a monster. He's in the middle of the swimming pool.
2: And it gets worse. Because, of course, what do you think Mark is going to do?
1: Well, he's going to jump in with all his clothes on. Of
2: course he is. Mark dives down to the bottom of the pool, is sort of looking around for the kid
1: camera's underwater following Can't find him. him Mark has really got his hands full this episode
2: So Mark surfaces out of the water to see the kids sitting on the edge of the pool laughing at him
1: So then the rest of this episode is just hiding the murder of
3: this child that Mark committed <laughs> So Then there's a quick cut and we hear the Highway to Heaven theme music playing while a camera is panning around maybe inside a hotel room and there's a TV and it turns out it's the Highway to Heaven theme and it's the end of a romantic movie.
2: And we see two women, one younger, one elderly, watching the end of a black and white movie on the television. And the older woman turns to the younger woman and says, wasn't Daryl Palmer devilishly good looking? And then the younger woman replies, you are so beautiful, Helen. And she says it in a bit of an accent. I'm not going to do that. So the younger woman is Latina and she has an accent.
1: Okay, so this this woman is a former actress.
2: Right. Helen was the actress in the movie they were watching. What's the younger woman's name, Joel?
3: The younger woman's name is Ella. Ella Sims. Elena? Elena. Elena or Ella? Uh, I have both Elena and Ella.
2: (laughs) (laughs) That's not confusing. I I couldn't remember.
3: (laughs) I apologize. IMDb has it listed as Ella Sims. Well, it's on the internet. It must be true.
2: I think it's Elena.
3: It does make more sense if it's Elena. Mm -hmm. So, So,
2: Elena is a maid.
3: She's played by the actress Julie Carmen. Julie is known for her ageless, chameleon qualities, effortlessly shape-shifting into extremely diverse roles. She played Angelina Jolie's elegant plantation owner-mother fighting to free their slaves. She's often remembered as Nina, the sexual insatiable environmental revolutionary in the HBO series Dream On, John Leguizamo's lesbian freedom-fighting mother, the existential book editor opposite Sam Neill in John Carpenter's In the Mouth of Madness, but Julie's favorite incarnation was Regine Dandridge in the horror cult classic Fright Night Part 2. Oh,
2: part two. I can't
3: say I've seen
1: Fright Night part two.
2: Yeah, I definitely haven't seen Fright Night two.
1: I liked on her bio that you clearly lifted from IMDb. Half of the films are not mentioned what the names of them are. Right, but the yeah. the roles. I was John Leguizamo's lesbian uh, crime-fighting mom. What's the movie? I don't remember, but it was good. <laughs> Okay, so Helen was a a beautiful actress in the 30s, 20s and 30s. -hmm.
2: And now she's just reminiscing about the good old days with Elena, and Elena kind of starts to you know, wax poetically about, it never happens in real life like it happens in the movies. That's not how life is. And Helen says, oh, it happens. Just give it time. One day you'll look up, and there he'll be. Elena
3: goes to leave the hotel room and crashes into Christ Barry in the hallway.
2: As Elena is sort of crouching down and picking up some stuff she dropped, she literally looks up at Barry and just has that moment where you can tell she's smitten. So it's it's happened. She's looked yeah. up and there he is.
3: And they're staring at each other, which gets interrupted because the manager starts yelling at her. Elena, pick these things up and quit messing with the new owner. And the owner's like, hey, hey, hey! it was just as much my fault as it was hers. We're yeah, in the middle she- of a meet-cute here, man. Do you mind? He's like, oh, I'm so sorry this happened. Oh, I apologize. I apologize.
2: And I think then is then when Celie starts telling Barry he should think about upgrading his wardrobe yes okay at what time
3: sir would you like to uh maybe do an upgrade to your wardrobe yeah the
2: flannel and jeans is not going to cut it for hotel owner
3: so he suggests that he upgrade his wardrobe and then an elevator door opens and i have just written down a hottie gets off the elevator and barry's like wait whoa who's that oh already
2: yeah yeah
3: that happened quick that lady just now
1: who
0: is she Oh, uh, Miss Rutledge, Allison Rutledge. She just flew in from New York City for her high school reunion. Reunion? Yes, James Madison High School, class of 70.
2: Suddenly, Barry gets a very interesting look on his face. He's like, like, oh,
1: somebody from my socioeconomic background.
2: There's something going on in his head. Next thing that happens is the elevator opens. Jonathan's there carrying a tray with food on it.
1: So Jonathan's on a little room service duty.
2: Jonathan runs into Elena and he tells her that he's really busy. He's way behind. Can you please deliver this room service up to the penthouse? And she's like, okay. Oh, uh, this is. And of course, she runs into Barry again because Barry's in the penthouse.
1: Is the rich blind lady in there already? No,
2: no, it it gets a little better. And then it gets a little worse. (laughs) And then we'll just wait for the rest of it. She goes in. She realizes that he's the new owner. It got a little convoluted there. Their first meet cute, she didn't realize who he was. Elena realizes that Barry is the new owner. And she asks, how old is your baby? And Barry's like, I'm not married, which kind of made me laugh. And he says, oh, the bottle's for Billy. She's like, Billy? And he goes, Billy's in the box over there. The bottle's for the baby goat. She's like, I love goats. Oh. Yeah. She runs over and is like, oh, can I feed him? Can I feed him please?
1: Everybody loves a baby goat, but there's something about baby goats that just gets ladies crazy.
2: They are so cute. One of the last places I worked, we would have baby goats come in and visit the Uh residents every couple months. And it was one of the most popular activities we did, but we would end up with at least 15 to 20 staff members who were primarily female, but who would come down to see the baby goats. I mean, Everybody knew when the goats were coming to visit. Nice. Yeah, they're pretty amazing. Have
1: you guys ever done that goat yoga?
2: No, but I would. <laughs> There's I kind of want to. I don't
3: know where you do it, but
1: oh, I've seen I it do.
2: happen
3: in a couple different places. So yeah, like we're bonding over the idea of baby goats. These two bond over the goat. And he starts talking about the work that he's been doing with these goats.
1: Losing I mean, them in the woods with his <laughs> good friend Mossy, yeah. who's probably still out
3: there on the rolling
1: yeah, hills.
2: Mossy Ma- 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 <laughs> is stuck.
3: Yeah. Yeah, it's going to be like the show Lost. He's just going to be out there stuck, digging around for a hatch. Just slowly eating goats to stay alive. Right. And they talk about the work that he's doing. He said that there's an island in Mexico that has goats and that they're overpopulated on this island and that their work was to transplant goats from this overpopulated island to other areas. Which in that made me think like, oh yeah, they just fill their truck full of as many goats as they can, hop on a little boat, a car boat, whatever those are called. Car boat. A goat boat. Oh. And she's like, oh my goodness. This sounds like really important work.
2: And Barry's like, Yeah, I thought so too.
3: Romantic music comes in. We uh-huh. hear the goat making little noises. The goat starts watching him make
1: out. Yeah. The camera slowly zooms into the left eyeball of the goat, and boom, we're in the next <laughs> scene.
2: No making out because we still have to deal with Allison Rutledge.
3: Yes, of course we do.
2: So Elena just feeds the baby goat and then leaves.
3: Barry goes and sits down on his bed and he uh, picks up an old yearbook and starts thumbing through the pages. And
2: he stops on a picture of Allison Rutledge. He's acting like he knows her. Suddenly, Barry has decided he does want a suit. So he's going and getting fitted for a suit and getting his hair cut and he's getting a shave.
3: And he looks like Whoa. an absolute tool yeah. afterwards. Oh, man. I, I
2: wrote at this point... Joel said, he doesn't look cool anymore.
3: It was like the opposite of like any sort of makeover show. Yeah, you actually yeah. said
2: he doesn't look cool at all anymore.
3: Yeah, it made him look old and dumb. How in the world
1: are these high school yearbooks in the penthouse of this hotel? <laughs> Okay. I
2: mean, I had a lot of questions, but that actually was not one of them. The (laughs) guy got on a
1: fancy helicopter with a goat in a blankie and nothing else. Maybe his car keys in his pocket.
3: I'm assuming that it is the same penthouse that his father and his father's new wife were sharing, and that it is one of the yearbooks that his father's new wife had lying around. (laughs) I'll I'll buy it. And it was maybe his moment of being like, huh, this lady that I'm interested in is in the same grade as my new mom. (laughs)
1: It would be a great way to just like, you know, cinch this up for me. I'll get married to her and I can just double date with my dad all the time.
2: That makes sense. They're both
1: on flag squad. You know, I understand the whole trope of old guy marrying a very young woman seven marriages in, but... Yeah, It's gross. I agree. I can't imagine somebody in their, you know, mid to late 20s or early 30s or into their 40s is like, oh man, I am so physically attracted to this 85-year-old man I met the other day.
2: No, I remember being in my early 20s and like thinking people in their 40s were way too old, like knowing like, some people who were dating individuals who had that age span difference and it yeah. just seemed crazy. Why on earth would you want to do that?
1: <laughs> You're 28. Why would you ever date that dinosaur?
3: He's 42.
2: Let's go with like 21. Okay. Like a 20 year difference.
3: Oh, you're dating someone who has no a judgment, slight Sam. eye wrinkle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, I don't know. In their defense, I mean, if you're open about what you're both investing with, I think you sure. can really reach a compromise because I do think that some people who are opposites can attract and opposites can be complementary and if that comes at the expense of someone being older, go for it. Also in these fictional characters defense, they seem
1: rather jolly about the whole thing. Like Barry doesn't seem to really no. mind. No,
2: Barry and his dad and the new wife Luella all seem really jovial about everything. <laughs> yeah. For all we know, dad's first 6 wives were age appropriate, his peer, a lot like him, and clearly that didn't work out. So mm-hmm. now he's like, I'm going for the young one. Excellent. All right, what happens next?
3: I don't
1: know.
2: Oh, so we left Barry we left Barry getting cleaned up. The next thing Barry does is go and knock on Allison Rutledge's door.
3: Allison lets him come in and she's like, Hey, your flowers were lovely. They were just what a lonely girl needs in a strange city. Oh, gosh.
2: I guess I forgot about that scene. I just <laughs> left him at the door. What <laughs> nice. happens?
3: That's it. Like oh, she, okay. just, she just says this line and then we have a hard cut to the kid now running around pulling pranks on people.
2: Oh, yeah. We're back to little Dennis the Menace.
1: I did have a question. Did you guys notice at all if this was a recognizable chat? actor of the day
2: not recognizable
1: i'm really hoping for the episode where like a young jason bateman Ooh. or a Corey feldman shows up i really have a good feeling that we're gonna see maybe even both of those we guys have at a, some point
2: neither of those that i know of but we do have a really good cameo coming up this season excellent not this episode not next episode but it's coming
1: we've had a trey you mm-hmm. we've had bastion not a trey you yes that's thank you thank you Joel. You're welcome. Saving me from the trolls left and right.
2: So we have our little terror kid running down the hallway, sets off the sprinklers, like has a lighter or matches. (laughs)
3: Yeah, Mark is walking down the hallway holding champagne and food.
2: And this little kid somehow sets off the sprinklers. Uh, uh, Of course, Mark gets drenched.
3: He gets absolutely soaked.
2: Mark is not psyched about that.
1: (laughs) This kid is a monster. This kid is a monster.
3: Where are his parents?
2: That is a good question. You're not going to find out yet.
3: And then we see the elevator doors open up and Jonathan's inside the elevator. And then the sprinklers stop just as Jonathan goes and steps out of the elevator. And he looks up and winks.
2: And then Jonathan just says to Mark, if I were you, I'd have a talk with my friend Donnie. Donnie's a little kid.
1: So Mark wants John to talk to Donnie?
2: Switch that. John wants Mark to talk to Donnie.
3: Well, somebody's got to talk to
1: Donnie. Yeah, so
2: Mark goes to talk to Donnie.
3: Knocks on the door.
2: Well, first of all, this room is like an arcade. It's just jam-packed full of, like, arcade games and toys and anything you could possibly imagine.
3: There's a Space Invaders arcade game. There's a dartboard on a couch there's a television uh, the kid's wearing a black motorcycle helmet there is a yellow moped and everything's arranged at sixes and sevens in the room as if like the kid just picked them up and dropped them off wherever they are so this kid is like living my dream yes. of being
1: seven years old like my parents are nowhere around and I just live in a room full
0: of my favorite toys mm-hmm. I want to see your mother or your father or whoever's in charge of you
3: nobody's here I'm alone
0: no you're alone huh? don't hand me that where's your mom?
3: I don't have a mother. He died when I was a kid.
0: Well, how about your father? You got one of those? He's at work. He's always at work. He leaves you here alone all day? What's it to you? This looks like a toy store. My dad bought me all this. He loves me, so he buys me anything I want. Yeah. Hey, you want to stay? I got some new video games. I can't. We could work a puzzle, play cards maybe Anything you want Yes, I'm sorry, I gotta get back to work
3: Yeah, well good I
0: didn't want you to stay anyway. I'll see you later
1: Okay, so Donnie is really lonely in his heart
3: Poor little rich boy
2: Alright, back to Barry and the goat
1: Yes, we'll get back to the other rich white people In this episode, everybody A lot of
2: characters in this episode We're
1: back at the penthouse we got blonde
3: Jesus. He cut his locks.
2: He's worried about the goat.
3: Oh. The goat might die.
2: Something's wrong with the goat.
3: He's not eating.
2: Elena's there. Mm -hmm. I don't remember why she's there.
3: She's just
1: there. She's
2: probably delivering another bottle or something. She's trying to hang
1: out. She's trying to get white Jesus to remember her.
2: Yeah. I mean, there was the meat cute. She's smitten.
1: All right. So the goat is all of a sudden, within the last 12 hours, taking a turn for the worst. Mm -hmm.
2: But guess what? Elena's grandpa raised goats. And so she says, oh, my grandpa nursed many goats back to health who were much worse off than this little goat. I know what to do. Do you have any oatmeal and syrup? And Barry's like, yeah, I think so. Go, go check the kitchen. And so she does and makes up a little oatmeal and syrup like thing. <laughs> like you do. Like a little bottle, a little concoction.
3: Well, She starts feeding it to the baby goat. Yeah. And he's like, how wonderful. And he gets on the phone and calls up Allison and is like, "You know, I'm sorry, I can't leave here. I can't leave him alone.
2: Because he had a date with Allison. I don't know if yeah, like, we really knew that before. Sure. No,
3: he's like, we were going to go out on that date tonight. And I'm sorry, I can't. I have I can't. a friend who's sick. And he's just a kid.
2: You don't hear Allison's part, but presumably she says something like, do you have someone there to help you? And he's like, yeah, someone's here, but I have to stay here too. So
3: that's it. Okay. End
2: scene. We're going to go back to Donnie.
3: John and Mark are talking together about this little latchkey kid.
2: Yeah, we're not actually going back to Donnie yet. I'm sorry. It's Mark and Jonathan talking about Mm -hmm. Donnie.
0: He's a latchkey kid. What with his, his father working all the time, his mother not living. There's nobody looking after the boy just can't believe his father hasn't hired somebody to look after him. According to Roberto, there's been well over two dozen, but they all quit two days later. I guess I can't blame him. I don't blame them. I blame the old man. You know, I think that kid just looks for trouble so he can get some attention from his father. Could be.
2: We see a woman come running out of what presumably is a salon. She's got one of those capes around her, and her hair looks like it has some kind of dye in it, except her hair is green.
0: You've done to my
2: hair! And the stylist is running after her, being like, Madam, I don't know how this
0: could have happened. You're incompetent. that's how. The solutions must have gotten mixed or reversed. This has never happened before. You're going to pay dearly for this. I'm going straight to the manager. Madam, please. I owe, please.
2: Cut to a little Donnie peering around the corner. His hands are green. <laughs> mm. What? Donnie is just a terror. He
3: is messing with everybody. Yeah. So then we go to Mark going to Donnie's room. He opens up the door and Donnie's just full blown Revving that motorcycle, and the whole room is completely filled with smoke.
2: <laughs> and Donnie's like, What are you gonna do? Tell my dad. Donnie says he doesn't care what happens to the hairdresser because Mark's like, Hey, you know, that guy's gonna get fired. And Donnie's like, I don't, I don't care. care. And Mark starts to have a serious conversation with him. And he's like, you might not care. You and your dad are rich. But that guy has to pay rent and has bills. And he's going to get fired. And Mark tells Donnie that he should turn himself in.
3: Yeah, you need to go down there and apologize.
2: Donnie's like, why don't you just tell on me, Mark? And Mark's like, because you should tell on yourself.
3: It's not Michael Landon doing it this
2: time. No, but it's this is Mark.
3: Is, this is
1: some of that good old-fashioned Highway to Heaven angel shame coming down on Donnie's head right now.
2: And you know what? It works. It does. It always works in this show. Donnie it, agrees.
3: And he does kind of beating the deal because he's like you go down there and apologize for what you did admit to what you did wrong i could use some help putting together a little sailing ship
2: i've got a little sailing ship you want to put it together with me donnie's like yeah yes <laughs>
1: putting together a model together that's a good bonding
2: it is a little model but it's like one that you can actually sail on the water
3: oh excellent mm-hmm. I liked that scene very much so because it was one of those little moments the stuff that was always so important to me wasn't like big events that I did with my parents but like literally like if my dad and I went to the alley and like lit firecrackers together like those were some of the things that really stuck with me and when I saw the kid's face lightening up being like oh yeah I can oh, yeah I can go and apologize and we're yeah we'll put it a thing together? Okay, so Donnie's going to apologize and they're going to put a little
1: model together.
0: Highway to Heaven Revisited will return after a brief intermission. This is the intermission. It is happening right now. Please subscribe to Highway to Heaven Revisited wherever you get your podcasts. That way, you will never miss an episode. Visit our website, HighwayToHeavenRevisited.com, to listen to every episode of the podcast. While you are there, you will find links to our social media pages, contact information, and ways you can help support the show. If you enjoy the podcast, please consider supporting Highway to Heaven Revisited on Patreon. Visit Patreon.com Slash Highway to Heaven Revisited To see the variety of special perks exclusive to Patreon patrons Is your company interested in sponsoring Highway to Heaven Revisited? Please send an email to Highway to Heaven Revisited At Gmail.com Sam has been waiting his whole life to read your ads on the show Intermission is over
1: What happens next?
2: How do you think that little baby goat is doing? He's
1: probably doing a lot better.
2: You got it.
1: Now that there's some oatmeal and syrup in his little tummy.
2: Yep, the next thing we see is that little baby goat walking around the penthouse. And Elena is asleep on the couch. She has stayed up with the goat all night, feeding him syrup and oatmeal, and it's worked. The goat is better. (laughs) Barry leans in and strokes Elena's face to wake her up.
1: This is going to get really awkward when Allison Rutledge shows up at the
3: door.
2: And then Elena's like, oh my gosh, it's almost 9 o'clock.
3: I'm late for work.
2: Celie's going to fire me. And Barry's like, no, he won't. I own the place.
3: She's like, where's the goat? And he's like, it slept in your arms all night. I was jealous. Ding,
1: ding. <laughs> Maybe Barry's coming around.
3: Then he says, oh, hey, before you go, I've got this high school reunion dance that I have to go to. You wouldn't care to um Join me at it, would you?
2: She's like, yes, I would.
3: Great
1: scenario for a first date, I'd say.
2: There's part of me that would just absolutely say no to that, but also part of me that's like, this is wacky. <laughs> Let's do it. Let's, do Let's it. see what's going to happen.
1: Okay, so Barry's blocking it up. He, he's got a new haircut and a new suit and a hot date for the high school reunion, I guess.
2: We see Elena exiting Billy's room and who's walking up to Billy's door but Allison Rutledge, who sees Elena leaving at nine o'clock in the morning. And
1: her hair is so messy from sleeping on the couch and feeding that
3: goat all night. I think the goat might have given her hickeys. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh yeah, goats are notorious for giving people hickeys.
3: Allison is suspicious, understandably.
2: She knocks on Barry's
0: door. Get something? I don't think so. Did you? Allison, uh, uh come in. I thought you were going to call. Oh, uh sorry i know you're taking care of a little friend so how's he doing look for yourself a goat but you said you was... said a kid <laughs> <laughs> barry you are funny <laughs> look you owe me one for last night how would you like to take me to my class reunion friday i can't i have a date already for the dance No, no, you don't understand. It's my high school reunion. It's mine, too. You really don't remember, do you? Barry Rudd. Uh
1: Uh-oh. She doesn't remember him.
2: She's like, no, no, I don't remember you at all. And so he pulls out the yearbook and points to his picture. And she goes, oh, you're Rudd the Dud. And just immediately like bursts out laughing.
1: I'm sure that makes Barry feel very tall.
2: Yeah. And she's like, why didn't you say something? He is pretty honest. He goes, well, basically, I just wanted to prove that Rudd the Dud could escort Allison Rutledge to the reunion. So I don't think he was going to say anything until like they got to the reunion.
3: But he's going with Elena now. And she's like, well, why'd you lead me on with all those flowers and stuff? Yeah. And he's like, well, I just wanted to prove that I could get the head cheerleader to go with Red the Dud.
2: Yeah. He's like, I really didn't care about you at all. It's just my high school ego trying to prove that I'm like cool now. And she said, no, it's, it's good. I'll, I'll go with you. It's fine. I like you now. And he's like, it's because I'm rich, right? Well,
1: presumably he was rich back then. It seems like his dad has been yes. making a ton of money forever.
2: Yes. Yeah. Like Paris Hilton classmate knew she was rich. Don't you think his classmates knew he was rich? I don't know if he was rich then. Who knows? Yeah, I guess we can't maybe
3: prove just, any of this. Maybe his dad just had this one hotel.
2: It was a little confusing. I didn't quite believe that she didn't recognize him either. But
3: so is Barry being kind of vindictive about this? It would be understandable if she felt that he was being vindictive. But I think yeah, he was playing a little fast and loose with her heart. That is so rut the dud.
0: Hey, look, I'm sorry about all of this. It wasn't fair of me to fool you. You're right. It wasn't. Oh, um, your date. The little
2: chambermaid? Yes. Guess what Allison's going to do next?
1: She's going to slap her at the dud square in the face.
2: Worse. We see Much her worse. in the employee locker room planting a large ruby ring in Elena's locker.
1: That's very low mm-hmm. of Ms. Rutledge yeah. to be planting evidence framing Elena. It's just evidence of the rich punching down. Are we going back to the problem child scenario now?
2: Not yet. We're going to Elena starting to leave the lobby and she's excited. She's got this date lined up tonight. And Celia, the manager, stops her. And he's like, you're not leaving. You were accused of stealing Allison Rutledge's ring. I'm going to go through your bag right now. And it's not in her bag. So he says he's going to go check her locker.
3: And John pops up. I like this part. Hey, uh, is it all right if I just tag along? In situations like this, it's always good to have a witness around. And they all agree. And I was like, yeah, good. That's actually good protocol. In the army, we would always have a battle buddy. So you wouldn't go and sit with someone alone. In uh, stressful scenarios, you'd always have a more neutral third party.
1: I like this because it's the male supervisor walking into the women's locker room. And if there isn't a third party
3: involved, then it's literally his word against hers. And also I liked when he talked about it's good to have a witness. I can't quote any Bible verses, but I do remember my time in church. There was a lot about if bad things are going on, the least we can do is to be there to bear witness mm-hmm. or to, to witness these things taking place. Yeah, I follow you. So the manager and Elena and John are walking together towards the locker room where they run into Alison Rutledge and uh-huh. Rudd the Dud.
2: And Barry. Yeah, Barry and Rudd the Dud. <laughs> and Robert, the assistant manager.
1: Roberto's there too?
2: Yep. Barry finds out what the situation is and Elena's all like, I didn't steal it. I've never stolen anything. And Barry's like, "Well, let, we should give her the benefit of the doubt. And Seelieve does not want to give her the benefit no, of it the like, doubt. He's like,
1: doubt. Benefit of the doubt.
3: Ha! Ha! Mr. Rudd, you are certainly not going to take this girl's word over Miss Allison
1: Rutledge's word. Because she is far more whiter and richer than
3: Elena. Can't you see that with your human eyes?
2: Exactly. So they check the locker.
3: And John just shoots super daggers at allison rutledge at this point. See, I was
1: hoping that he would, you know, infuse a little angel magic into the scene where the ring would not be in the locker. Ding but ding
2: ding ding. The ring is not in the locker.
3: Okay. Yeah, Allison's like WTF.
2: Yeah, Jonathan's <laughs> like is it a ruby ring? Uh, check your finger, lady. <laughs> it's on your hand.
1: Amazing. I love it.
2: Yeah. And then Jonathan's very sarcastically like, oh, don't be embarrassed. This kind of thing happens to people all the time. Yeah, it's totally
3: understandable.
2: I've done that before. <laughs>
1: oh, I'm just, I'm so excited that finally I predicted something
3: and it played out just like <laughs> I wanted it to. Then Barry slash Rudd the Dud tells everyone to apologize to elena
2: yeah they're not happy about it though but they do because he's the boss they have mm-hmm. to it's a coerced apology
3: how indignant was celie
1: in his apology pretty damn indignant i'd guess
2: yeah like a hundred out of ten Seely oh,
0: yes of course sir <laughs> i apologize
2: Yeah, he's not psyched. And Allison's
3: about to leave and John stops her and tells her, by the way, that ruby on your finger, it's fake. God (laughs) told me so. (laughs) And she's like, what? (laughs) And he's like, you know, we have a jeweler on the first floor. You should stop by there and have him look over it if you don't believe me.
2: And Allison is just, she's not happy at this point. And she says to Jonathan, I could have your job. (laughs) (laughs) To which Jonathan says,
3: you wouldn't want it. The trays are heavy.
1: Oh, my goodness. And within seconds, the Michael Landon factor of this show has risen exponentially by at least a factor of five.
2: He has a couple zingers.
1: Kind
3: of seems like he hasn't been in this show for a second and then blammo. Now we're at the front desk and we meet this new old man, Donnie's father. He's like, hey, have you seen Donnie? I'm looking for my son. And the manager, Seely gets really excited because he presumes that the kid has run away. Oh, you, you can't find him? He's lost. He gets really happy and kind of this far away look of wonder of thinking that the kid has disappeared and john grabs the dad and goes hey come with me let's go outside he's playing sailing boats with uh, my bellhop
1: friend out in the back here
3: exactly the model boat they put together is actually a remote control boat that they're driving around on the little like a uh, little pond pond out there nice Together they're both having this little moment where they both are talking to each other and they're talking about pain and he's saying to Mark, you know, I love my dad, but I never see him. It just causes me so much pain and the father is overhearing this conversation and it's kind of touching and the dad walks in and says, son, it's such a nice day. Do you want to go out and play ball?
2: And the kid's like, Dad, what are you doing here? Yeah. It's the middle of the day. What? And then he's like, yeah, yeah I want to go play ball for sure.
3: Yeah, it's the, you know, it's offering uh, uh-huh. you know a bottle of water to a guy in the desert. Super happy music plays. The father and son are reunited.
2: Presumably that situation is resolved.
3: They don't ride the dirt bike
1: through the hallway out mm-hmm. the front door of the hotel, hooting and hollering on their way out, because that'd be a pretty good button on the end of that relationship.
2: We don't see that happen.
1: In my heart, I feel that's
3: how they do it. It. Yeah. Maybe when they released the Blu-ray with all of the stuff that ended on the... <laughs> <laughs> cutting room floors.
1: You know, honestly, like, wouldn't that be cool if this podcast led to the Blu-ray release? Like a film restoration Blu-ray release of Highway to Heaven?
2: Yeah, because yeah, I think in the King Arthur episode, we talked about some things we found that were cut out of the episodes. We're finding more things that have been cut out. That were in the script. They're, pretty, they're in the original
1: gray. script. Gosh, you guys are reading the scripts? You guys better hop on our Patreon if we have one or a <laughs> PayPal button on the website or whatever. Yeah, We're, like,
2: we're putting in a seriously, like, hour of work for Joel every show.
1: and Rachel are working their asses off for you guys. Right. I Sometimes mean, they watch these shows twice in a row.
3: Yeah, like if we had a Patreon and it was able to devote two hours to note-taking. Can you even imagine? That would be amazing.
1: You guys can't see it in your little ear pods here, but I'm telling you, th- there's like five pages of typed notes stapled. Two copies, one for each host. Looks like it's double-sided.
2: We're taking this very <laughs> seriously.
1: I am honored and thrilled to be part of the process here with you guys.
2: Likewise. Okay,
1: but, well, that's interesting. That tied that little bee story up so nicely. A good dose of shame can really mm-hmm. turn your heart around.
2: Just the right level of shame. We're going to go back to the locker women, women's locker room. Okay. Elena is ironing her dress, getting ready for the big reunion date tonight.
1: In the ladies' locker room.
2: Mm-hmm. She doesn't have time to go home and change. I guess not. So is so th- excited excited. She's ironing her dress. So Wh- she
1: just has an
3: evening dress in the ladies <laughs> locker room. Well, she probably brought it with her to work because, you know, I she guess... probably gets off at five. Well, the no... dance is maybe at but six. She... No, no, no.
2: Yeah, because she was going home when they were going to search her bag for the ring. Oh, but okay. She did okay. Say you
3: guys did say that.
1: Her yeah.
2: shift didn't start until two o'clock that afternoon. So she probably had time to go home and get the dress or hmm. go shopping or something.
1: I'll buy it. You guys have got me on board. In my mind, she was there for the whole day of work already right. when she left Rut the Dud's room earlier. Right. Okay. No.
2: That would be a more normal shift from like nine to five than like two in the afternoon to reunion time, but let's not worry about that.
1: Elena works hard. She's pulling a double. So
2: she's ironing her dress. Guess who comes walking into the women's locker room?
1: Allison Rutledge.
2: <laughs> Allison Rutledge.
1: It's time for the fight of fights over Rudd the Dud, yeah. a.k.a. Blonde Jesus, a.k.a. Rich White Guy's son.
2: Allison Rutledge is not letting this go. That is for sure.
0: Oh, girl. Yes, ma'am. There are no washcloths in my room. Oh, I am sorry. Here. I don't carry towels. That's your job. Yes, ma'am.
2: Elena exits the locker room.
1: This is some serious classicism 101 going on.
2: Mm -hmm. Allison takes the iron and burns Elena's dress super bitchy
3: that is like
1: crazy bitch
3: move
2: yeah allison's got some stuff going on
3: yeah usually with a lot of the characters in highway to heaven we get a bit of background as to maybe why they're acting the certain way that they are and that's one of the things that i really enjoy about it you can empathize with the quote-unquote bad guys to a certain extent we don't get that so much with allison rutledge
2: she's a bit of a one-dimensional character
3: well i don't like her we go to Rudd's room now at the penthouse
1: Red's room, red's
3: <laughs> and, and... Tommy's not here, Mrs. Torrance.
2: <laughs> but there's Billy the goat.
3: Actually,
1: I think the kid from The Shining, his name is Billy, isn't it?
2: Is it? I don't remember. Is it?
1: Joel, help I mean, me out with this. The kid from The Shining? I, Billy? I
2: love The Shining. Billy, Billy. is
1: here, Mrs.
3: Torrance.
2: Billy? Because then there's the sequel where Billy's grown up. Maybe they call him William
3: in the sequel in, what is it called, Mr. Smoke or something? Remember? Dr. Sleep. Dr. Dr. Sleep.
1: Sleep. I yes. uh, read on, I believe it was the Slash Film website that they're remaking Dr. Sleep with Ewan McGregor.
2: Mm, I would watch oh, that. I would
3: definitely watch that. I enjoyed mm-hmm. the book.
1: Keep a lookout for that, guys.
2: In general, I really like Stephen King. I'm actually a huge fan of his books, not a huge fan of the movies that have been made out of his books. The Shining is one of the better ones, for sure.
1: What about that one, The Attack of the Shit Monsters? Do you guys remember that one? <laughs> it's about Langoliers? <laughs> No, the other one.
3: Tommy Knockers. It was the, the one. Stand? Oh, I know what you're talking there about. There was literally.
1: Dreamcatcher.
3: A... Yes, Dreamcatcher.
1: That's what I literally couldn't remember it, but uh, I would agree that most movies based on Stephen King novels are crappy movies, no pun intended. My dad would love almost all of them for oh. some reason. And he said, oh man, have you seen Dreamcatcher? And you know, now that he's not here anymore, I, I sometimes regret the, the more sarcastic moments I spent with him, being a dick to him, but. I said something like, "You mean Attack of the Shit Monsters?" <laughs> and he's like, oh, I, what? Bet he, huh?
2: "I bet he loved it, Sam."
1: In that movie, Dreamcatcher, there is an actual alien that enters your body and takes over your yes. uh, consciousness by coming up through the toilet into I'm your
3: butt.
2: So not familiar with that story. looks much better than the movie, like most
3: Stephen King, but. <laughs> The idea was, I think, sort of based around those. There's some sort of like bacteria that'll enter like an ant. It'll take a over. Symbiotic a symbiotic relationship. And it'll take over their brain, which makes them attracted to climb to the tops of blades of grass to mm-hmm. be eaten by like cats and, or other yeah. animals. Yeah. And it reproduces in the guts of like cats or something. So it oh, needs to horrific. get to the guts of mammals and it does it by going into <laughs> ants first. I, I don't even remember how we got on this topic, but uh, uh, <laughs> let's get back to the show.
2: So, Billy, the kid from The Shining. Rudd the Dud is We, we there. are in Rudd's room. Rud the Dud is holding the goat and he's having a conversation with Seely the manager. He's saying, I just got this information that guests have been paying under the table for preferred sweets. Seely blames it on Roberto.
3: He says, well, what can I do? You know, these Mexicans are so hard to train and hard to trust.
2: And Barry goes, Roberto? And Seely is like, yeah, yeah, it's Roberto. And Barry goes, no, no, no. I wasn't accusing him. I was calling him. And Roberto walks into the room from the bedroom. He's got a stack of of letters that implicate Seeley. What? Seeley's been taking money under the table.
1: Well, just because Seeley's a casual racist doesn't mean he's a greedy
3: casual racist.
2: Apparently he is.
3: He says thank Jonathan for finding those letters.
2: Seeley's like, those letters are forgeries. I burned them. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Angel magic letters coming back from being combusted somewhere yep. in an incinerator.
2: Yeah, so Barry fires Seely. Good. And he tells Robert. Good job, Barry. Robert's the new manager now.
3: You've been training long enough. Yeah. I think you're ready to handle this. Good for Roberto. Cut to the locker room. Oh, Elena no.
2: is distraught.
3: Devastated.
2: Yeah, no dress to wear to the She's dance. looking at the yeah.
3: burned dress. Who wouldn't be?
2: The old lady from the very beginning, I think her name is Helen.
1: Oh, she's finally there. back. Yep. Okay.
2: And she's trying to like comfort Elena telling her, it's just one dance. It's not a big deal. You'll be fine. And Elena's like, it's it's, no, it's more than just a dance.
1: Well, gee, I really wish that Helen had her old wardrobe from the movie she was in on TV in her hotel room or something.
2: Well, she doesn't offer that. So we don't know if she does. But Jonathan comes in and he's got a big old dress box with him.
1: Is it a blue dress? Come on. (laughs) Come on. Pull it out. What color is it? Oh,
2: it is such a cool dress. It's not blue, but we actually, we don't see the dress quite Quite yet.
3: He also has a box with shoes in it mm-hmm. that are just her size. And
2: she's like, how did you know? And he goes, oh, Barry sent me up with these.
3: Nice. So we're now back at the high school. We're at the alumni dance. <laughs> okay. We're at the reunion. And Elena is looking fine. We don't see her yet.
2: Okay, Alison Rutledge.
1: Alison Rutledge is looking looking pissed and fine. (laughs) She's looking nice. She's
2: got like a designer dress on, silver, shiny, one shoulder, big silver poof on the shoulder of the dress.
3: I describe it as a silver Christmas
2: tree looking outfit. Barry's at the dance Mm -hmm. and Alison goes up to Barry and asks him to buy her a drink. She's still like trying for something here. You know, Barry,
0: you really misjudged me the other day. Really? Yeah. When I said it only matters what you are now, and you said you mean rich. Uh, Look, I told you I was sorry about that. Yeah, I know. But I just want you to know that money means nothing to me. I've done very well. This uh, dress is an original. So you see, money isn't what I'm after. Like my clothes, I look for one of a kind. Well, I don't think you found one. Oh, I think you are. I didn't mean me. I meant your dress.
2: Elena comes in wearing the same silver dress as Allison Rutledge.
3: And she looks way better.
2: I actually kind of thought Allison looked better in it. Oh. I did. I think they're both very attractive women, but I think the dress was suited a little bit more to Allison Rutledge's uh, body type.
1: I mean, clearly it's a tie right now. The listening audience is just going to have to weigh in on yeah, this. Yeah, I can
2: post some pictures of that, see what you guys think. I'm definitely team Elena, though. I don't want Allison to end up with Barry.
3: I think Elena's going to make a great great first wife for him. Okay, so how
1: does how does Barry <laughs> Sorry, that was... that was a slow burner, Joel. It, um, I almost let it go without it was a good one. We should all be so lucky. <laughs> Without glossing over it, let's make sure you tell me how they dunk on Allison Rutledge here.
2: Barry sees Elena over Allison's shoulder, and he just only has eyes for Elena. Allison is just out of the picture. Yesterday's newspaper. It. Yep. Elena walks up to Barry. I think they start dancing. They yep.
3: dance really close. Mm-hmm. They don't leave any room for the Lord. Mm-mm. No.
2: So they're happy. Allison is pissed.
3: And then grandma is watching.
2: We see Helen, the old lady from the start, is like kind of peering in the doorway, watching Barry and Elena. Elena dance and she is like looking really happy okay. Elena got her happily ever after uh-huh. this would okay. happen yeah
1: because it ties into yeah. the grandma I thought because this is Highway to Heaven initially when you brought up that old starlet character and her saying something like you never know it might happen to you when you least expect it or whatever she said I thought because it's Highway to Heaven that it was going to be a geriatric romance of some sort
2: the show's not done yet Sam
1: oh my goodness <laughs> the show the not. is not done are
2: you sure you aren't watching these I'm
1: trying not to guys I'm just <laughs> trying so bad Uh, It's just available streaming in so many platforms.
2: Because the next thing that happens, an old man comes up and taps Helen on the shoulder.
1: It's Daryl Deplore.
2: Daryl Palmore.
1: Hiya, kid.
0: Daryl. Elmeray. Helen, it is you. My driver said you were here. Your driver? Yes. I was on my way over to my hotel and he... Somehow managed to recognize me, and he said, my favorite leading lady was here. You haven't changed. Neither have you.
2: And they sort of stare lovingly at each other. It's a romantic connection.
1: That kind of gave me some goosebumps right now, guys. I'm not Mm going to lie.
2: And then we see Jonathan's head, like, peek around the corner, Uh wearing a cabbie hat.
3: (laughs) Yep, so he's wearing the flat cap.
1: Finally. Is this the first time we've seen Michael Landon in a cap? I think so. On this show? I think
3: so. Mm -hmm. Michael Landon did direct this episode, so this literally was a chance for him to get behind the camera, I think, and just like,
1: oh, I'll stick my head around
3: the corner. Yeah. Excellent.
1: Did you happen to notice if this was the first one he directed?
3: I don't know. Uh, There may be a correlation between a Landon effect in an episode and his directing.
2: We should maybe look into that as we keep doing these.
3: Okay, so the show's over after we see him in a taxi cab
2: hat? One more scene. So it's daytime. Or outside of the hotel. Barry's dad pulls up. He and Luella get out of this, was it like a limo or something? They see Barry and Elena arm mm. in arm. I think they're holding the baby goat too, maybe? Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. And Frank's like, Barry, where you been? What you been up to? We've been shopping for a couple weeks, so we've been out of touch. Don't know what's been going on at the hotel. And Barry says, Dad, I'd like you to meet my wife.
1: Whoa. Yeah. No time wasted.
2: He goes, I thought it was my turn to get married. Bookends. And then and they're like well sorry dad no time to stop and talk we're gonna go save the goats but what about the hotel oh robert's got it dad robert's running everything i fired Seely. robert will fill you in see you later
3: they both tell each other that they love each other they get into a car this
2: is a weird into the backseat of shot. a car they get yeah. in the backseat of what looks like mark and jonathan's car but it's like a far shot and we see the back of two heads that look like mark and jonathan but we never actually see their faces and then they all just drive away into the distance
3: there's a the just married sign on the back and mm-hmm. with cans dragging
1: behind barry and elena got in the same car as mark and jonathan and drove away that's yeah. what
2: they make it look like but we don't actually see mark and jonathan's faces
1: well i mean that's kind of the least of my concerns with this last <laughs> scene this last scene is just bananas this whole
2: episode is kind of bananas but
1: there's this whole nonchalance to the institute of marriage mm-hmm. where barry's like hey this is my wife we got a, married a couple weeks ago didn't invite your dad don't worry about it and he's like it's fine it's your first wife. I was busy shopping for a couple of weeks. Me and my seventh wife. It's no big deal. Well, good luck.
2: <laughs> I think I enjoyed talking about this episode actually more than I enjoyed watching it. There were a lot of things that were kind of frustrating and mm. partly I just think there were so many different plot lines that things just couldn't completely get resolved the way I wanted them to.
1: Every once in a while you guys tell me a story about one of these shows and they seem to be going one way and they totally forget about it.
2: I am enjoying these episodes. They're taking Taking on so much that they're maybe just trying to do too much.
1: The last few episodes, it seems like there always has to be like this kid B story yeah. from To Touch the
3: Moon that we yeah. got to always like
1: yeah, deal we, with. We
2: easily could have only focused on Donnie or just focused on Elena and Barry and had a full episode.
3: I feel like a lot of times they'll throw in Mark with a little kid for comic relief. Maybe There's that's what they Nothing they're doing. like seeing Vincent uh, Price, uh, Vincent, Victor-, Victor French, Victor French and little kids. It's great. Wouldn't that be an amazing position? Zaro version in an alternate reality where it was
1: Highway to Heaven starring Michael Landon and Vincent Price. <laughs> oh, Jonathan, come here for a minute. I have a spooky story to tell you.
2: I like that idea. The one thing I don't know how much it came across in our talking about it, but Jonathan was not in this episode.
3: Oh
1: yeah, barely at all. He had some
2: serious moments,
3: Mm -hmm. but but they were like short scenes. I bet he had five lines. Do you
2: remember how in the '80s a lot they would do spinoff shows where you would do a whole episode that like focused on the B characters?
1: Sure. And then be
2: trying to start a new show at the end of this. I was like, is this supposed to be a spinoff? Are we going to have the hotel Barry and Elena and the goat farmer show? But I don't. think that's it because it's too it's too new of a show they wouldn't do that well
1: you know this so is the good. first season there yeah. kind of I'd, I'd imagine that after we gain some perspective going deeper into the following seasons of the show maybe it'll, it'll get its footing better Anything else to uh, discuss in this show before we uh, yeah. get to the wrap-up bits here? Yeah,
2: actually, something pretty huge. Yeah, okay,
3: something. you know, at the beginning of every episode, they give you like a little clips, like here's what you're going to see, little spoilers, little teaser. little yeah. teaser. This one they teased a scene that isn't in the actual episode. Yeah, unwrap this for me,
2: and it's a pivotal scene which really makes me wonder how much was left on the cutting room floor
3: so it starts and we see mark and john are in their hotel room and mark is rummaging through the drawers and mark goes (laughs) hey what are all those dildos doing there (laughs) jonathan what kind of adventure are we going on this week
2: can you believe they cut (laughs) that scene oh my god
1: and then mark's holding
3: up a gimp suit and he's
1: like what in
2: the heck is this
3: do you know how to squeal like a pig (laughs) That's not what happened.
1: That's not what happened. So they cut out a whole Mark and
3: Jonathan scene? Yeah. Rummaging through the drawers, and he's like, hey, uh, John, hey, what What are all these dildos doing here?
2: Stop. I'm
3: sorry.
2: We're trying to do a scene, Sam. (laughs)
3: All right. I I apologize. So Mark's rummaging through the drawers, and he's like, John, John,
2: what are all these dildos (laughs) doing here? Okay. (laughs)
3: Come on, guys. Okay. (laughs) Jeez. Mark's... Okay. (laughs) Jonathan, where... (laughs) Where are they?
2: What are you looking for? (laughs) These dildos that were in here before. This is not a funny scene I'm Sorry. It's okay. actually probably good that we're getting a little laughter in before this
3: My cigarettes Mark's looking for a cigarette
2: I thought you told me you'd quit I would try Here we go Hey,
3: we all die sometime or other Now take you I bet you didn't smoke and you died
2: I smoked You did? I smoked What'd you die of? Lung cancer What? What
0: are you looking at? Come on, we all die sometime or other Now take you I bet you didn't smoke, you died. I smoked. What'd you die of? I died of lung cancer. <laughs> Whoa. So this
2: is a huge scene. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah. <laughs> We did find the original script, as far as we can tell, and they do this. And then what we missed in the show was their little intro where they get jobs. So this should be at the very start of the show. They have this cigarette scene, and then they talk about how they're going to go get jobs at the hotel.
3: And he pulls out a bellhop costume, and he's Mm -hmm. like, this is a crappy hotel. Can we stay at a better place? And he's like, well, here. And he pulls out these bellhop outfits. He's like, I know a better hotel for us to stay at.
2: But there's so much information here.
1: That's like a defining, inciting incident to know about the backstory of the human Jonathan Price used to be.
2: Right, because we've just definitively found out he used to be a human, which I don't think we knew for sure. We kind of were guessing that was the case, but now we know that is true, and we know how he died.
3: That's humongous.
2: We were waiting for this scene.
3: Uh, Yeah, I think we talked about earlier, like one of their close friends around this time died of lung cancer.
2: Victor French died of lung cancer.
3: Michael Landon died of some sort of cancer, right? Was it liver
1: cancer? uh,
2: I think it was pancreatic cancer. Okay. Both actors were serious. Smokers. It'll
1: be interesting to see if that happens more where they give you a little thing you don't see in the show in the montage Mm -hmm. of what will be in the show.
2: Because this is definitely the first time that's happened.
1: It would be interesting to see if that's where they hide some of their world building clues. We'll
2: let you know. Well, let's
1: start wrapping it up, guys. Let's talk about the moral of the story i would have to say that the moral of the story for me boils down to you know it doesn't matter how white or rich you are you can still show up to your high school reunion (laughs) looking hot as hell and uh red the dud isn't gonna give a shit
2: (laughs) (laughs) i like it i like it
1: i I apologize i've upped my uh swearing quotient on this show i apologize
2: yeah dude how do you think michael landed would feel about that
3: Oh, he'd probably... <laughs> I
2: think he might have cussed a lot in his real life. I don't want to make assumptions.
3: Okay. Uh. It's I... one of the lessons I learned from this episode. <laughs> Based on a race or class mm-hmm. or uh, even on maybe what someone was like uh, years ago. Or if they, maybe they've been married six or seven times beforehand. Or maybe if they just work at a sushi bar you recently purchased. is uh, Just to value people mm-hmm. as they are, as you meet them. It could be dangerous, but you know what? What is life without a little bit of risk? Yours is okay. much more
1: poignant than mine, okay. Joel. All right, Rachel, what's your take on the moral of the story? My
2: takeaway is really something that I already knew that was just reinforced again is that baby goats are timeless and universally loved and when in doubt bring a baby goat into the situation
1: that's good advice Mm -hmm. when in doubt bring a baby goat to the situation Mm -hmm. well let's get right to it guys let's talk about the michael landon factor
2: i have to say i'm gonna go low because he did have some good moments but if this was my introduction to highway to heaven i would think michael landon was a b character Pretty much every time he showed up, it was effective. He had that little cabbie hat at the end that was just charming. But I think overall, 4 out of 10.
3: When I think about this episode, I don't know what an episode with even less Michael Landon would even look like. The only way I could go lower is if he's not in the episode at all. Or if maybe the one or two times he shows up, if he didn't do any magic... Mm-hmm. He didn't do anything angelic and there was not even a single smirk to the camera. I want to assume that maybe there's a chance for that for an episode that he's not in Yeah, maybe at he all. gets sick
2: or something. So I'm not yeah.
3: giving this zero. What are you giving it, Joel? I'm going to give it a 2 out of 10
2: landings. Whoa. Whoa,
3: That is supremely low. That's
2: bold. I like it.
1: I'm not going to contest your rating, Joel. I'm just saying that for my money, the whole ruby out of the locker and back onto Allison Rutledge's finger might have been the most supreme trick of Mm -hmm. angel magic we have ever seen on this show. Yet still.
3: It rates so low. It's a neat little trick in a fifteen second scene out of forty five minutes.
2: And you know what? Alison Rutledge didn't learn anything from that trick.
3: She didn't even
1: believe in magic after that trick. Nope. She didn't change. No. No. Not a not a not a Not a finger. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that's the news from Joel and Rachel as far as the overall Landon Factor of Season 1, Episode 12. What's the name of the show again? Hotel of Dreams. Season 1, Episode 12, Hotel of Dreams, and overall, Michael Landon Factor of... 3.0. Well, this has been a really enjoyable episode for me. Once again, uh, thanks for letting me be on your podcast with you guys. I'm always happy to talk about this amazing show, Highway to Heaven. Welcome, Sam.
2: Yeah, we enjoy it, too.
1: Awesome. Well, thanks for listening, everybody, and congratulations is in order, because if you started listening with us on episode one, you are officially through the halfway point of season one of Highway to Heaven. You should give yourself a high five in the car right now. Good job. And uh, continue driving to work. Thanks, y'all, for listening, and we'll see you next time here on None. I would haven't
0: revisited. Bye. Bye-bye. Next time on Highway 2 Heaven Revisited. Well, I like that when I was a kid. They'd probably like it again. I know all about orphanages,
3: and I know all about orphans, and I'm not interested. If you could just see these children, I'd probably puke. I don't like dogs. I don't like kids.
0: Buckle up. Highway to Heaven Revisited is the galaxy's only podcast offering a comprehensive view of Michael Landon's classic 1980s television series, Highway to Heaven. Do you want to watch along with Rachel and Joel? Highway to Heaven is streaming almost anywhere. Check your favorite streaming platform to see if it is available. Please follow Highway to Heaven Revisited on Instagram. That's at Highway to Heaven Revisited. Do you have a question or comment for the hosts or moderator? Call the Hotline to Heaven. The number is 612-356-2495, That number again is flow is five. Your message might be played on the show. Or, send the show an email at highwaytoheavenrevisited at gmail.com. Your message might be featured on the show. If you have time, please rate and review Highway to Heaven Revisited on iTunes. If you like this podcast, please share it with a friend. Theme music composed by Ryan Just. Thank you for listening, and be sure to join the gang for the next episode. Highway to Heaven Revisited is a Channel 3 TV production.